And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. We studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, it's a listener questions episode. You can write to me your questions, and I answer them. If you've got a question, you can write to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com, and I'll either try to respond to you there, or hey, sometimes on the show, like I'm doing right now today. So let's get right into it with the first listener question. What foods are toxic to pets and which ones aren't? I know not to give chocolate to dogs, but that's about it. And no alcohol. Are some animals immune to alcohol? I've read about elephants getting drunk. Stephen M. Hi, Stephen. So to answer your first question, there are actually tons of foods and substances that are toxic to pets. So it's always a good idea to only feed them something if you've already looked it up and checked to make sure it's not toxic. But just in addition to some of the more well-known foods toxic to dogs like chocolate, uh, some surprising ones are that you should not let them eat grapes, raisins, or currants because these can actually cause life-threatening kidney damage. It's thought that it's the tartaric acid in grapes that causes kidney toxicity in dogs, but not in humans. There's also another surprising thing that you shouldn't let your dog eat, which is xylitol, uh, which is the artificial sweetener often found in sugarless gum, sugar-free ice cream, or even some brands of sweetened peanut butter. In dogs, xylitol is quickly absorbed by the bloodstream and triggers a massive release of insulin, which is an effect that does not occur in humans. 
This can dangerously fast-track the absorption of blood sugars, causing a blood sugar crash, a.k.a. hypoglycemia. And this can be life-threatening. So, yeah, there are actually a lot of other things you should not feed your dog. And I'm not a vet, so I don't feel comfortable giving advice or the whole list of what you shouldn't feed your dog. So always check with your vet or a trusted source before you let them eat stuff that's not dog food or dog treats. So cats also you need to be careful with in terms of what they get to eat. A surprising thing to me about cats is that essential oils can actually be quite dangerous to them. So essential oils can cause liver damage when a cat ingests it or gets it on their skin. Uh, there are a bunch of essential oils that are bad for cats, including but not limited to peppermint oil, citrus, cinnamon oil, uh, which I didn't even know cinnamon came in oil form, but there it is. Uh, tea tree oil and others. So don't use essential oil products on your cat. Um, keep them out of your cat's reach. Uh, talk to your vet. Like if you if you have essential oils that you use, you can talk to your vet about like, you know, making sure that they're not dangerous to your cat and there's no cross-contamination. Um, yeah, just be just be real careful with the kitties because it's super concentrated stuff and they cannot handle that. So on to drunk animals. So stories of drunk elephants may be apocryphal. There's not really any solid evidence of elephants eating enough rotting fruit to get drunk. And they seem to prefer fresh fruit. Um, and they're so big, it would take a lot of fermented fruit to actually get them drunk. But uh, that doesn't mean a big animal cannot get drunk. So however, moose definitely do get drunk because they will happily eat a bunch of fermented apples. They will get drunk and they have sometimes been found to crash into trees uh, while drunk moosing, which I don't know if that's a crime, um, but you know, that is what happens. So in terms of whether some animals are immune to alcohol, there are some that have incredibly high alcohol tolerances, such as tree shrews. So the pin-tailed tree shrew is a mouse-like arboreal mammal, meaning it lives in trees, um, from Malaysia. So they are these little mouse-sized shrews. Uh, they have a tail where the hairs on the end, these white hairs, stick out like a feather pin, and that's why they're called pin-tailed. They're very cute. They can fit in the palm of your hand, and they can hold their liquor much better than a moose. So they love to drink nutrient-rich fermented nectar that comes from the Bertram palm tree. Uh, in the paper with a title that I love, Chronic Intake of Fermented Floral Nectar by Wild Tree Shrews, the researchers found that these tree shrews, if scaled up to, say, a human woman size, could drink nine glasses of wine in 12 hours without showing any signs of intoxication. For me, I can do like one glass. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so 12 glasses of wine scaled up is what they can handle without showing any signs of intoxication. And that's not healthy for humans, but it works for the pin-tailed tree shrew 
due to adaptations to their metabolism that allows them to efficiently process alcohol and limit the concentration in their brain and bloodstream. Now onto another question also from Stephen. I did a Google search for milk coming from animals other than cows. It seems pigs just don't like humans milking them, and I kind of understand why nobody wants to try to get hippopotamus milk. But what about other mammals? Have people ever tried to get milk from them? Do cats and dogs produce too little milk for people to be interested? So domesticated dairy cows, sheep, and goats were selected and bred for high milk yield. Cows, who came from the extinct wild auroch, were able to be selectively bred into docile, high-yield milk producers, and frankly, their teats are easy to grab onto to milk. Like, trying to milk a dog or a cat, their teats are really small, and there's not going to be much there. It's just not worth it. Uh, Also, cow milk is high in fat. It separates well into cream and milk, and it has a mild taste, all making it very ideal for human cultivation. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other animals that people can and do try to get milk from, including camels, horses, water buffalo, and uh, pigs do not like you to milk them. They are very ornery, but apparently there are some chefs that are trying to figure out how to get pig's milk. Um, Good luck with that. Pigs are not docile, and they do not want you up in their business like that. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Next listener question. Hi, my son Max has been listening since the first episode. He is a spooky kid. He has asked me to write and suggest some spooky topics. One, animals that could be in the Aliens franchises, a.k.a. Xenomorphs. Two, Animals that could be the subject of the SCP Foundation, that is a metafiction about anomalies that should be secured, contained, or protected by a fake government agency. Three, Max would like to know what animals seem like they should be from cryptozoology, especially Mothman. Four, are there animals that seem like they should come from anime, especially JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? So if you have podcaster block, Max is happy to share ideas. Also, we recently went to Africa and saw a bachelor herd of Cape buffaloes. Several were staring us down while shake urinating. The guide informed us that that's a sign of aggression. We said yes, mean mugging while shake pee translate as aggression across species. We then spent the next week giggling about how fast you would call the police if someone walked in our bar and was shake peeing. Sorry for the random story. Thanks for encouraging my son's somewhat inappropriate but very funny love of animals. Thanks, Sonia F. Hi, Sonia and Max. Uh, first of all, yes, I feel like a buffalo peeing aggressively at me would be threatening. It, basically anything peeing aggressively in your direction is threatening. Message received. Uh, now, on to Max's ideas. I love these. I may indeed do an episode using your ideas, Max. In the meantime, a little appetizer for uh, some of these animals I think fit the bill. Uh, the bobbit worm is one that I think is scarier than the alien from the movies Aliens. It is a worm that lives on the ocean floor, actually burrows down into the substrate in the ocean. It's got many segments, these very dangerous looking pincers, and it will pop out of a hole and grab a fish and pull it down into this hole in the ocean. And it is, it's very scary. Uh, and it looks very alien. Um, now, in terms of animals that look like they come from an anime, um, this is one that I think is really interesting and kind of cute in a weird way. The cicada parasite beetle family are species of beetles whose larvae are parasitoids of cicada nymphs. The adult beetles will lay their eggs in the same holes in trees created by cicadas for their offspring, and the beetle larvae will feed off of the cicada nymphs. So as dastardly as they are, the adults are actually really cute. Their antennae look like these incredibly feathery antlers. They have these big round eyes, and in my opinion, they look pretty cute, like if someone crossed a moose and a beetle. Um, more bugs that I think look like they come from an anime or maybe even from the movie Aliens. This one, uh, I think, looks like an alien robot. They are the trilobite beetles. They are a genus of beetles where the adult males look pretty boring. They just look like a standard beetle. But the females and juveniles look like weird, segmented alien robots. They have a triangular head segment, two trapezoidal segments, and then a bunch of tail end segments with spikes or barbs coming off of them. 
Some species have bright orange markings or yellow, but the weirdest and most alien-looking species to me, Platyrodrillus ruficolis, is found in Malaysia and has black shiny markings on its back that look like a bunch of weird alien eyes. Seriously, it is crazy. Look that up. Uh, Platyrodrillus ruficolis. If you want cuter animals uh, that look like they come from an anime, look no further than the mouse-sized lowland streaked tenric of Madagascar, whose bright yellow and black coloration and incredible hedgehog-like spikes would put it right at home in many anime art styles. Uh, besides, it's also got a long boopable snoot, and it will shake its quills together to create a sound the only mammal known to do stridulation. Uh, stridulation is the production of sound by rubbing body parts together. So quite an amazing little animal. I think it could definitely be a Pokemon. Uh, and there are many more like that. So maybe in the future I'll do a whole episode using some of your ideas, Max. And I hope you enjoyed these animals in the meantime. Next listener question. Hello, Katie. I could barely contain my excitement when I heard you got to the question about whether there's more eyes or legs in the world. I've made an estimate based on current research early this year in the Reddit sub Biology. In short, shrimp are overwhelmingly many, mostly as zooplankton. They're pretty much the deciding group, and the result is therefore that there's a lot more legs than eyes. These calculations were made from numbers including estimates of species not yet found, but of course we don't know if something completely new turns up. I did not include Ocelli in this calculation. So Ocelli, side note, listeners, are very primitive, almost eye, sort of like sensory cells, but they're not really eyes. But anyways, um, back to the email. I did not include Ocelli in this calculation. My definition of eye is that it has to be able to discern shape as well as light. And for legs, they need to directly bear the body. I remember that there were some blunders in this calculation, but nothing that would skew the results, really. I remember that I went down a rabbit hole with this and learned a lot, both about the vast amount of unidentified fish in our oceans, how many worms there really are, and a lot of cool facts about eyes. Thank you, as always, for a great show, Saga E. Hi, Saga. Uh, this was an amazing thing to look at, all of your calculations. Um, thank you so much for that. I agree with you. I think legs would win in a landslide. And if, even if we were to count Ocelli as eyes, uh, which I agree, I don't know that they really count as eyes, but if we did that, only to be fair, we should count Podia or tube feet as legs as well. So Podia are these tiny tubes found on the bottoms of like starfish and other echinoderms that work as these tiny legs to move them around. They can also use them for things like grabbing onto food and pushing it into their mouths. Uh, the podia actually use hydraulics to move, so water being pumped in and out of them. And they have a sticky adhesive that they use to attach to a substrate. And a starfish can have over 10,000 tube feet each. So if you loosen the definition for what an eye is to like an ocelli, one of those just simple light sensing cells, then you'd have to loosen the definition for what a leg is to one of these podia. And in that case, I think the legs are going to win in a total landslide. 
Speaking of lots of legs, millipedes are famous for having tons of legs, and there's a newly discovered millipede, E. Persephone, which has broken the record for most legs on an animal. It has been recorded with 1,300 legs spread over 330 body segments. It's actually the only known millipede to live up to its name, milli, meaning 1,000, and pede, derived from feet in Latin. It was found deep in an Australian mining area, about 50 to 200 feet or 15 to 60 meters underground. It is eyeless and it has this hair-like body. It's around 9.4 centimeters long, a little under four inches, and about one millimeters or 0.04 inches thick. So millipedes are interesting in that you can figure out how old they are by counting how many segments they have. It's kind of like with rattlesnakes. You can figure out how old they are by counting how many segments is on their rattle because they grow them at sort of a constant rate as they age. Millipedes grow segments throughout their life. Uh, so if you know about how many segments a species of millipede grows per unit of time, you can add them up to figure out how old they are. The uh, E. Persephone specimen found with over 1,300 legs is suspected to be around 5 to 10 years old based on average growth rates of other species of millipedes, um, which is older. Usually millipedes only live to be around 2 years old. So that if this is true, this is quite an older living uh, millipede that lives deep, deep underground in the mines. Uh, Certainly nothing spooky about that. I think that if for humans, if we added a new pair of legs as we got older, that'd be very interesting. Uh, we'd have much more, I guess, eventful birthdays. And I feel like I would finally appreciate birthday gifts of socks like a lot more. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. 
So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Next listener question. Hi, Katie. I'm Mino, a listener from Italy, and my pronouns are they, them. After the latest listener questions rounds, the fact about the single double syrinx has left me wondering, has the double tone of the double syrinx ever been used for voicing alien creatures in movies? I immediately thought about elves when you described it because of their nature being adjacent to human, but not exactly. After hearing it, I think it would be befitting for most ailing creatures in one way or another. What do you think? Second, much broader question, what can you tell us about pet rats? I was scared of them when I was a kid, but now I have three of them and they are the cutest furry potatoes. Thank you for your amazing work, Mino. And I did get pictures of the rats. I can confirm that they're very cute. So thank you so much for your question, Mino. Firstly, I do love rats. They are very sweet, they're very smart, and my favorite thing about them is that they are ticklish. Uh, in perhaps the best rat study ever in Canberra, Australia, researchers are tickling rats to see if it improves their happiness. The goal is to find out how to better handle rats and improve their quality of life, even in laboratory settings. But apparently, there is a finesse to tickling rats. In an interview with Yan Huang of the New York Times, Carly Motley a lab technician at the University of Wollongong explains that you have to learn how best to tickle a rat. You can't just go in too hot. You got to be gentle. You got to you got to have some skills there. So here are some tips from Carly. You got to tickle the rat's neck with light movements. Uh, you can gently flip the rat onto its back and tickle the rat between its front legs on its chest while it's rolled over. You do not want to tickle the tail or rear haunches because those are areas where they are sensitive to being nipped by other rats. It's like where other rats might nip them when they're being aggressive. So they don't necessarily like to be touched there. Um, but yes, they do like it uh, between its front legs, on its back, or on their neck. You can actually get certified in rat tickling. You can Google rat tickling certification and take an online course on rat tickling and this is not a trick. I'm not joking. I'm actually going to go there right now. Let's see. Rat tickling certification. I see it. Uh, it's a .org .uk website. So, oh, it's from Purdue University. Um, okay, let's see if I can get certified uh, in rat tickling. Start the course. Oh my God, this is a two-hour course. So I might do this later uh, and get my certification in rat tickling later, but that is incredible. So rat tickling, when done correctly, can improve the bond between a rat and a human. It is thought that rat tickling mimics the playful wrestling between rats 
And it's just fun for the rat, just like when we tickle each other as humans. So if you own a rat and you want to connect more with your pet rat, consider learning how to tickle them, maybe even get certified. Now on to your other question, Mino, uh, in terms of whether bird sounds could be used in movies as aliens and that double syrinx of songbirds being kind of an, kind of an alien sound. So, yeah, I think bird sounds are used all the time in movies to be the sounds of, like, mysterious creatures, to create a spooky, ambient environment. Um, But first, I actually want to make a bit of a clarification to the episode Listener Cues, Muse Blues, Deer Who Chews, uh, (laughs) which is a title I didn't think I'd have to say out loud, but here I did it. I guess I deserve that. So uh, in that episode, I talked about double versus single syrinx in birds. Um, But I want to add a little bit of nuance to that. So in case you think there's like two syrinxes, it's kind of considered one organ. So the syrinx is a single organ, but in many many birds, it's bifurcated or double-barreled. So it's kind of this upside-down Y shape. The difference between parrots and songbirds isn't so much that parrots have one syrinx and songbirds have two syrinxes, although I kind of oversimplified it this way last time, but that parrots use more of a tracheal syrinx, whereas songbirds use a tracheobronchial syrinx. So if you're like, what is that? I, I will try to explain. So parrots have one set of vibrating membranes and strong muscles surrounding the trachea. Uh, the fact that it is not so, fo- like their their sort of syrinx muscles aren't so focused on where the trachea branches off into these bronchi means that they are mostly using that single, the single trachea, that single sort of uh, tube, and uh, they only have one set of muscles surrounding the trachea. Uh, This makes it a little bit more similar to a human larynx than, say, if you compare a human larynx to the songbird's syrinx, which is, instead of just being a tracheal syrinx, is a tracheobronchial syrinx. So the songbird's syrinx has more muscle activity where it branches off uh, into that uh, those bronchi, so it's more double-barreled than the parrot's syrinx. They have several pairs of syringeal muscles instead of a parrot's single pair, and they can make use of two independently controlled sound sources inside their syrinx, allowing them to sing two notes at once. Um, So I just wanted to kind of add a little bit more nuance, a little clarification to what I said earlier. In terms of songbirds being used in movies for spooky sounds, uh, I don't know specifically of songbirds being used as aliens, um, but if there are any movie nerds out there who do know about that, please write to me. Uh, I do know that in the movie Prometheus, a pet parrot was used to make some alien sounds. So even just the, even though the parrot's, Syrinx is more human-like. It is certainly not the same as a larynx, and so they can still produce some eerie, interesting sounds. Also, last time on Creature Feature for the Mystery Animal Sound Game, I played this sound. (laughs) 
which I think is hauntingly beautiful. Last week's hint with that sound was whoever named this animal was being a bit judgmental. But because this animal sound goes so well with your question, uh, I will give you another hint before revealing the answer next week. Here's my second hint for this sound. This is often used in movies to create a spooky, haunted atmosphere, even when it's inaccurate to do so. Uh, so yeah, that is a sound you may recognize from a lot of movies that tries to give it this spooky, eerie, maybe even a prehistoric ambiance. But uh, it is, in fact, a very real animal that is not so scary. <laughs> so um, thank you guys so much for all of your questions. Again, if you have a question that you would like to hear me answer or maybe even send you an email response, uh, you can write to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. Yeah, and I really appreciate all of your emails, all your animal pictures, your pets. Love to hear from you guys. So yes, feel free to email me just to even say hi if you want. And thank you so much for listening. I guess I'm going to go and try to get certified in rat tickling. Uh, and I will see you guys next week. And thank you so much to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 